Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 930 in 716. The drum beats on as the names of the priests in the Diocese of Buffalo are released. The arrogance is beyond belief. Yes, we're happy that 42 priests' names were released, but... We asked for the names and the files. We never release any personnel files for any reason. Let me remind all, including Bishop Malone, that the only reason we are here today is because of what happened on February 27th. It was a 52-year-old man from South Buffalo, Michael Whalen, who came before these cameras and said, I was abused by Father Norbert Orselitz. That was the way of the past. Now we follow strictly what's called a zero-tolerance policy. I'm Tim Wenger on the podcast, powered by the Brothers of Mercy, a five-star rated skilled nursing residence offering affordable living in a country setting. The Diocese of Buffalo did this week what many had been calling for and released the names of priests, 42 of them, both living and deceased, who have credible allegations of sexual abuse lodged against them. Robert Hotson, who appeared previously here on the podcast, is encouraged those names were released, but is also demanding that all documentation regarding those priests also be revealed. Hotson appeared outside and across the street from the Catholic Center. Yes, I'm going to start with it with an with an anecdote, personal anecdote, uh, to try and connect uh, what happened yesterday and where Bishop Malone was yesterday. WBEN's Mike Baggerman was there as Hotson and victims of abuse were speaking out. Uh, in 2003, May 20th, 2003, I was a Catholic priest in the Archdiocese of Newark, New Jersey. And I testified before the New York State Legislature, Senator Tom Duane's subcommittee, which was basically the introduction of the Child Victims Act. And that's, as we know, 15 years ago. Well, I called for the resignation of any bishops who have covered up or secreted cases of child sex abuse. On May 23, 2003, I was called into my bishop's office, my archbishop's office, and fired from my ministry. I was directing two schools in the inner city of Newark. I was working with poor kids, and I was fired. Well, four months after I was fired, the priest who was assigned to replace me was removed for inappropriately touching an eighth grade boy. A boy that I took particular attention, or paid particular attention to because he came to my school after he had been sexually abused in the neighboring school by a Catholic priest. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what we are dealing with. Uh, We are dealing with a church that refuses to recognize the real issues. Bishop Malone released a document yesterday and had already been in Albany lobbying against justice for children who have been sexually abused. What is wrong with that picture? 
not only did he not discuss the 42 names, he literally just kind of threw the paper at the media and threw the paper at whomever and then took off to lobby against children and sexually abused children. The arrogance is beyond belief. Yes, we're happy that 42 priests' names were released, but we asked for the names and the files because unless we have the files, the information behind those 42 names, which, by the way, is in, at, in an inadequate list, as we know, it's not complete because years ago, Bishop Cunningham admitted that there were 50, 50 or so uh, priests who had been named. What that list does not include is religious order men and women. It does not include deacons, men who work in parishes every single day at times. It does not include, as we have found out, priests who are deceased who had only one allegation against them. This is bordering on the absurd now this church, this organization across the street is sitting there using all kinds of machinations to make sure that they're protecting their assets, not their children. This church is supposed to be about protecting a flock, taking care of the flock, leaving the 99 and going toward the one who is lost. Well, it's just the opposite. The diocese has said that they will update this list if more victims come forward. Do you think that they will? And how many victims do you think that there are? They've well, already come forward, though. I've had phone calls from at least two people who've said that they reported their priest's names to them, and they're not on the list, okay? There's no way to trust what anything that the church says or does because we never, ever get the transparent and honest truth. Um, that's what we're asking for. Let me remind all, including Bishop Malone, that the only reason we are here today is because of what happened on February 27th. It was a 52-year-old man from South Buffalo, Michael Whalen, who came before these cameras and said, I was abused by Father Norbert Orselitz. You then, the media, thankfully, followed up and found him, Father Norbert, who then admitted what had happened. The only reason lists were released, the only reason why a, an independent reconciliation program is in place is because of the courage of brave survivors. Shortly after Hotson spoke outside the Catholic Center, WBEN was invited inside to speak with Bishop Richard Malone. We never release any personnel files for any reason. The bishop spent time with myself and Mike talking about the list released and his trip to Albany this week. Because those are confidential files um, that pertain to the life and ministry of an individual, and uh, it's no one's business. Why would you release, why would you not release the number of potential victims in this case? Because we don't, I tell you the truth, we don't have that, we're still working on that. I'm not, I am not at all opposed to releasing the number of the victims. It's just we have to be very, very careful. All the, the reason why these things take time is I have a responsibility to do this work meticulously, do you know, and make sure the information we give is not incorrect. And we owe that to the victims. And we owe that to the alleged abusers that we get that, that down well. We've been working on these 
cases in these files for months and months. And what uh, got that started was that probably almost a year ago now, when the downstate dioceses put in place the Independent Reconciliation and Compensation Program, you've heard about that, that offers uh, compensation and all to people who have had past abuse. Uh, that got us anew into all of the files, and we have to do that very, very carefully. And uh, so, so that's why some things take time. But I'm not, I'm not averse to releasing the number of victims when I find out specifically what it is. Can you talk about your trip to Albany and, and, and what the reason sure. for that was? Oh, I'm happy to. Uh, just about every year, we didn't do it last year, every, day, every year all of the New York bishops, as you know we have eight Roman Catholic dioceses in New York State, and all of the bishops convene in Albany for what we call Public Policy Day. And uh, we sometimes we meet with the governor or the uh, head of the Senate or the speaker, all these kinds of things. And um, yesterday we did the same thing. I was scheduled by the New York State Catholic Conference to meet with about five or six of our local legislators. And we always have a roster of topics. Yesterday um, we talked about abortion expansion. We're already one of the top abortion states in the country. Now the governor wants to extend it even further, right up to the time of birth. It's outrageous. So that was a priority for me and for us. We talked about mandated services that are owed to our Catholic schools. Um, we talked about the Fidelis Insurance Program, all kinds of things. I know what you're asking is, what about the Child Victims Act? Did we talk about that? Yes. Media, who unfortunately, and I heard it myself on the radio, said that I was there to lobby against it, were not telling the truth. The Child Victims Act was on the list of issues. The, the New York bishops and I support a thousand percent a Child Victims Act that's the right one, that extends the time limit during which victims have to come forward, uh, uh, civilly and criminally. We th think that should be ex extended, but we're opposed to the look-back legislation. Uh, for reasons of jurisprudence. The Supreme Court has actually said that statutes of limitations promote justice. Now, what do you do if, an, if a, someone who's been dead 70 years has an allegation against him? How does that person defend himself? So, there are lots of reasons for that. So we're opposed to the look back. We are very supportive of a Child's Victims Act that would give victims more time when they, that they can come forward uh, to present their, their cases. Is there a different look back that you would agree to? Well, we have to see, we, have to, we don't want any look back. Uh, we just think it's a, a, a bad, bad way to go, and uh, for, for a number of reasons. Um, and also, it could be very harmful, not just to the church, but other institutions, very harmful uh, to the work of the church we're trying to do. So we're opposed to the look back, but for the look forward, very, very supportive. That but that was not the reason I was there. That list of 42 names includes priests accused since 1950, but it doesn't include the date they were accused. And I think a lot of people are curious, when were these priests accused and what bishop was in charge during that time of accusation? Is that something that you feel the public deserves well, to know? We're, we're noting, believe me, we're noting all of these concerns like that one that are emerging now in the aftermath of the release of the names. The first thing we wanted to do was to get the names out. It was the right thing to do, I believe that. Am I getting some pushback on it? I am, from some quarters. Most people seem to be supportive of it. 
but it would take more time to get some of these, this other information organized and carefully organized and out there. So we're, believe me, we're, not, we're jotting down everything you folks and others ask us uh, so we can give them some consideration. Why did you feel it was the right thing to do? To well, because you know what? I, I think that when we have people, in our case it's, it's priests, who have either admitted to have abused a minor or for whom we have evidence that, in fact, that did take place. Um, it seems to me that that has to come out of the darkness into the light. Uh, the practice long ago was, I think, the way it was in many, in many families. You know, something bad was going on in the family. They would try to deal with it within the family and not want to hang out the dirty laundry, so to speak. Now, when I say dirty laundry, I'm not referring to human beings, even abusers. I'm talking about these terrible things that happened. You know what I mean? It's a natural thing to want to just let, let it go away. Those men were always removed from ministry. If there was what we call a semblance of truth in it, careful investigation, uh, they would not be allowed to uh, function any longer as a priest of the diocese or present themselves as a priest. Uh, but sometimes in decades past, it, it is not the way today, and it would not be the way I would ever do it. Uh, they would then be allowed never to function again, but to kind of, we would, we would retire them, or they would go on an extended medical leave. And a lot of them were on medical leaves because they had to be sent for evaluation at various institutes that do that work for us, you know. So, uh, but that was, that was the way of the past. Now we follow strictly what's called a zero tolerance policy. In all of the United States bishops, we have 197 Catholic dioceses in this country. All of us have pledged ourselves through something called the Charter for the Protection of Children and Young People. And there are norms that go with that to do things right. And uh, it, it all, so it all flows from that. Now, John Paul II, St. John Paul, had said, there is no place in the church's ministry for anyone who would abuse the young. And I believe that a thousand percent, that is the principle we operate on now. Sadly, that was not always the operating principle in years past. But my job is to bring things right now out of the darkness into the light, primarily so that we can offer healing, justice and mercy to victims and uh, in, the, in the process heal the church because something like this obviously mars the integrity of the church which otherwise goes about every single day great, great things. We, we have 601,000 Catholics in the Diocese of Buffalo in these counties. You know, there are good things going on every single day and right now all of that of course is off the radar because we're focused on understandably with anger and everything and disappointment we're focused on this terrible crisis. More to come, and we're back tomorrow. That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.